house of the Lord tonight. We're going to dive straight into Scripture, if you will. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. This is a this all began, this message all began with a thought that the Lord placed on me just out of nowhere. But it's a message that is so true for us as believers. It's something we all deal with. And you know, as a youth pastor here at this church, my heart is geared towards these young people. But in the time we're living in this message, what we're going to talk about tonight is something they deal with on not just a day-to-day basis, but an hourly basis, a minute-by-minute basis. And I believe that God wants... How many, how many believes in this house that God wants to use these young people now? I believe He wants to use them in the future, yes, but I believe He wants to use them now And talking to many of them Over the past few weeks, uh, there has been a stirring in their hearts and in their lives to do more. I've been approached many times by these young people in the last few weeks just saying, God is wanting to do more in me. I I feel something that I've never felt in my life. And that, that, that makes me excited as a youth pastor. But I want to be real with you tonight. When the calling is accepted, and when you... Walk into the will of God. There are many things that will come and try to distract, try to destroy what God is calling you to do. I'm convinced of this, and you've heard me say it from this platform. The devil has no right to kill us because Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. But the devil's assignment today is to keep you out of the will of God. Because when you're in the will of God, that's where His anointing and His power and His presence dwells. And that's something that the devil cannot contend with. So if he can get you distracted and pull you off the path that God has for you and out of the call that God has for you, in his mind, he's won. But Numbers chapter 14, we're going to begin in verse 20. I'm just going to read four short verses here. Just to give you some story here in the chapter previous. The spies went into the land, the promised land. Twelve spies, ten with a bad report, two with a good report. And the ten with the bad report said there's giants in the land and it's impossible for us to conquer it. And the people began to cry out at the beginning of this chapter in in chapter 14. And they murmured and they complained to God. And we find them in a tough place with God the Father. It says in verse 20, And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Moses is pleading for God not to annihilate The Hebrew people, the Jewish people, again, let me throw that in there. God is is sick of the murmuring and the complaining. 
God says, I have pardoned them according to thy word, but as truly as I live, this is God talking, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now ten, these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely... They shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. I, I believe this could be a, a sequel of the promise and presence that we preached last Sunday night. But I want to preach to you on the next revolution. The next Revolution. This nation was started with a revolution. We all know of the Declaration of Independence, 1776, July 4th. Big celebration even until this day. But the revolution, really many could argue that it started years previous, but the first battle was fought on April 19th of 1775. In the wee morning hours as the sun was coming up, as the day was just dawning. You say, what, what does that have to do with anything? I, we're going somewhere. Thirteen colonies that we now know as 50 United States of America. They were sick of taxes and regulations. Can I get an amen? Sick of taxes and regulations. And they said, listen, this, this tyrannical system that we're under, this tyranny that we're under with King George, we cannot take this any longer. You see, they, revolution and change had been a discussion for many years. Prior to 1775, there had been many things that had happened. The Boston Tea Party, the Boston Massacre, and, and all these tariffs, and all, all these, these, these taxes, and all these things that happened, and it had been talked about. But there finally came a time that these 13 colonies came together and they said, listen, we're going to have to fight for separation. We're going to have to fight for separation. From this country, from this, from this, this society, from this tyrannical, this, this tyrannical rule, this, this kingdom, this, the, 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 this oppression. Through the, the mighty preaching of the men of God, through the first great awakening, something began to stir in these colonies. And they said, listen, the something has to change. And revolution was not just no longer something talked about. But it was happening. It was happening. We have men that, that, that stand out to us in the Revolutionary War. We have George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. And we have uh, Francis Mary and all these great heroes. But there was a man by the name of Thomas Paine. That in the middle of this revolution in 1777, he began to produce another pamphlet besides his most famous, which was called Common Sense. He says, these, time, these are times that try men's souls. 
When you're fighting for separation, they're trying times. When you're fighting, period, it's difficult times. But the cry that was heard was what was said of Patrick Henry in the, in the Continental Congress when he said, listen, I don't know what course you're going to take, but he said, give me liberty or give me death. What he was saying is, give me separation or give me death. I must have freedom and I must do what I'm called to do. And I must be who I'm called to be. They fought for separation. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we quote it all the time. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them, in verse 17, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You say, what, what does this have to do with, with the text tonight, preacher? What the children of Israel battled with throughout the wilderness campaign, if you will, is separation. You say, what, what do you mean? All the griping, all the complaining, because they wanted, they wanted lavish living. They saw how the Canaanites lived and how the Egyptians lived and, and there was something in that lifestyle that, that drawed them. That drawed them to, to, to get out of the will of God and to get out of the presence of God and walk away from the things of God. And there was something about the gold, about the silver, about the foreigners, the, 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 the wives and husbands that God permitted them not to have. There was something in this world that attracted them. It pulled at them. And for 40 years, we're reading in this text where, where God is saying, listen, they're going to have to wonder for 40 years. I can't take this group of people into the promises of God, into the things I've given them and promised them because they, they, they will, are not willing to fight for separation. They were unwilling to have a revolution in their hearts and in their minds and say, listen, we, we, we've got to go for this. We've got to be in God's will. We can't get distracted with the, the Canaanites and the Amalekites. and We can't get distracted with Egypt and, and the things behind us. We have to stay focused. They just couldn't do it. And the same thing is happening in the church today is there's such a draw, especially to our young people, to the things of this world. And God wants to use them and God has plans and purposes for their life. But the pool of the world is, hey, over here we have every lavish thing that you could ever dream of. You, you, can, you can talk to whoever you want to talk to. You can, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. And, and you can do this and you can do that. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to live for God. And as long as you go to church, you're okay. Listen, they're all distractions. They're all things that want to drive you out of the presence and out 
travel the will of God. Listen, young people and elders alike, under the sound of my voice tonight, separation will cost you. But let me tell you, it'll be worth it all when a crown of glory is placed on your head and a new robe is placed on your back and you're standing before Jesus and you're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It'll be worth it if your, if your son or your daughter gets saved. It'll be worth it if your best friend comes to know Jesus. It'll be worth everything. But you have to be willing to fight for separation. Our revolution in this country was fought because a group of men and women said we must have separation. We don't want to be a country. We don't want to be a people like everyone else. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel that the Israelites are now in the promised land and God has used judges and He's used prophets to govern them and to point them in the right direction. But then they began pleading to God, we want a king like everyone else. Every other nation has this. Why can't we have that? It's distraction. Well, I want that. Why can't I have that? Why can't I be that way? Listen, young people, you've got to fight for separation. Why can't I wear that? You have to fight for separation. Why can't I listen to that? You've got to fight for separation. Why can't I watch that, Mom? Why can't I watch that, Dad? You have to fight for separation. You say, why, why is separation such a big deal? Because you will never experience the glory and the power of God in your life unless you are set apart. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, he says after he, he's already said, listen, you got to come out from among them and be you separate. He said, I won't even call you my daughter or my son until it's done. And there's this pool. There's this pool. There's all these distractions. There's all these things. Listen. Throughout the 40 years in the wilderness, this was a constant struggle for the Israelite people. Constant. We read in our text tonight, God says, they have murmured and complained to me ten times. Ten times. Ten times. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 15 that they began to complain because they wanted water. God gave them water. Exodus chapter 16, they were hungry. And God provided for them. In Exodus chapter 32, they said, listen, we don't know where Moses is. Aaron, we want you to fashion a God that we've created. And they did it. We get into the book of Numbers. And they're constantly complaining. Well, God, the manna that you're providing for us isn't good enough. The supernatural works that you're doing isn't good enough. God, why, why, why can't I have this? And why can't I have that? And, and why can't I do this? And why can't I do that? And, and that's the cry of the church today. 
I want to be so much like the world. I know I need to be in church, but I want to be so much like the world. Where's the generation that don't want to flirt with the line, but will stay away from it? Where's the generation that will practice modesty? Where's the generation that will practice separation, will practice prayer, will practice reading their word, will practice fasting? Where's the generation that wants the presence of God, not just the promises of God? For 40 years, this was the struggle. For 40 years, this went on. And now they're about to cross into the, the promised land. In our text tonight, they're about to cross into the promised land. And these spies said, listen, we can't do it. And these are the same people. I know I'm not preaching anything new to you tonight. These are the same people that saw the plagues take Egypt. These are the same people that saw an entire army destroyed by the Red Sea. This is the same people that saw the Red Sea parted. This is the same group of people that were guided by a cloud by day and a pillar by fire by night. These are the same people that saw the presence of God consume the top of Mount Sinai. These are the same people that saw the tablets, the Ten Commandments etched with God's hand. These are the same people that saw the earth split open and consume 4,000 people. The same people that have seen God move for them time and time again. And when it comes to inheriting the promises and the call of God on their lives, they said, oh, we can't do that. I'd rather go back to Egypt. What they were saying is, I would rather go back to bondage than to do and be where God's called me to be. I would rather have bondage than to be and do what God has called me to be and do. Listen. Just like the church today, they had times where they saw God do the miraculous. There were times where His presence was tangible and even visible to them. But they constantly wanted to be like everyone else. We want to be like everyone else. They believed God could deliver them out of 400 years of slavery. But that God could not deliver the Canaanites in the promised land into their hand. You say, Pastor, why? Why? Why has the church lost the fight to be separate from the world? We're to be in the world, but not of this world. We're to minister to this world, but not participate in the things of this world. There's a reason why we preach freedom from addictions. There's a reason why we preach modesty. There's a reason why we preach prayer and fasting. Because it brings power. It brings presence. But you see, I want to point something out to you here tonight. I believe that God has really allowed me to diagnose what's going on in the church age. You see, it was easy to walk out of bondage because, Steve, they didn't have to lift a finger. 
It's easy to walk out when God's done all the work. But when you come into the promises, into the call of God, God says, okay, I've freed you from your sin. I've freed you from your addiction. I've freed you and delivered you from your past. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. But now, since I've pursued you, I've pursued the one lost sheep out of the 99, and I have found you, now it's time for you to pursue me. And that's not easy. It's not easy. It was easy to walk out of Egypt when God did all the work. But when they were faced with the fight, when they were faced with the call and the promises of God and they knew they were half to fight, they said, "Uh uh-uh. No way. I don't want the fight. I don't want the fight. They said at the beginning of this chapter, in Numbers chapter 14, they said, what, you brought us here to fall to the sword? They were scared to death. And yet there was two men, Joshua and Caleb, saying, we can do this. Not in our power, not in our strength, but have you not seen what God has done? Have you not, do you not know who God is? Do you not know that our God is all powerful? Do you not know that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ever ask or think? Do you not know? They were ignored. And a generation was left wandering for 40 years all because they were not willing to fight for separation. They were not willing to have a revolution in their hearts and in their minds. You see, revolution is simply defined, it can be simply defined as a fundamental change in the way of thinking. As my mother would say, get rid of your stinking thinking. What does the Bible say? Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of of your mind. You see, what's happening in the church day that we're living in is the opposite. We're being conformed to the world, and then we're wondering why we don't have a transformed mind. God, why do I think this way? Why do I I want to take my life? Why, Why do I feel this depression? Why do I feel this anxiety? Why do I feel this loneliness, this hurt, this pain? Why do I feel this? Well, maybe we're allowing our hearts and our vision to be turned to the things of this world and we're not being we're we're not being transformed by the renewing of our mind because we're being conformed to the world. Young people, I will preach as long as God gives me the ability. If you spend your day comparing yourself to people on social media, get rid of it. Get your uh, you, you you know what's coming. Get off Facebook and get your face in the book. Get off Instagram and get in God's plan. Get off Twitter. Whatever you have to do, it's not worth your mind and it's not worth your soul. You have to fight for separation. Oh, but I want to grab that phone. I want to go to that. I want to see that. Or, oh, I want to go listen to that. And I want to do this and I want to do that. Listen, it's a fight. But let me tell you, young people, if you will fight the fight of separation, you will be endued with power from on high. The Holy Ghost will move in your school. The Holy Ghost will move in your classroom. The Holy Ghost will move at your home. The Holy Ghost will move in every place you go. Why? Because you 
fought the battle of separation. And he said, now you're my son and you're my daughter. Where you go, I'll go. It's a fight. But we have to have a revolution. We have to have a revolution. We have to have a fundamental change in our thinking. A fundamental change in our thinking. You see, the enemy knows by distracting us. And trying to get us to conform to this world. And try to get us to lose the battle of separation. The enemy knows that by doing so, that we lose lose our airship of the anointing. We come out of fellowship with God. The enemy knows if he can derail God's plan in your life, he will keep you from receiving the promises of God. And walking in the plan of God for your life. Listen, that's why Romans 12, 2 not only says, Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But why, 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 does he, why is that so important to have a renewed mind and not to be conformed to this world? He says this, That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want me to translate that for you? What he's saying is, if you're separated and you have a transformed mind, you're going to know the plan that God has for your life. And many young people are saying, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know what's next for me. I don't don't know what's going on. Listen, if you'll fight the battle of separation, allow the Holy Ghost to renew your mind and get rid of those thoughts and get rid of those ideas that you bounce in your head all day. He says, listen, you will know the perfect will of God. The confusion ceases because he's not a God of confusion. But it all starts with the battle of separation. The devil attacked Jesus in the wilderness just as he attacked the children of Israel. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4 that he was fasting 40 days. And it was symbolic of the 40 years. That the children of Israel wandered around in the desert. And where they failed, he conquered. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 3 that the tempter came. He said, what, what, can't you turn these stones into bread? Can't you cast yourself off this building? God will give his angels charge over you. If you will but worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. The enemy tried to do the same thing to Jesus that he did to the children of Israel. But Jesus did something that the children of Israel refused to do, even in his hunger, even in his weakness, even in his his fragile flesh. He began to fight the enemy with the word of God. And he said, listen, there's a promise, there's a plan for my life. I'm going to fight the battle of separation. I'm going to fight the battle of separation. Listen. The devil knows if he can get your eyes on idols. Listen, it's all through the Bible. The devil knows if he can get King David on a roof to look at Bathsheba. The devil knows if he can talk Adam and Eve into eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. He can derail what God has planned. The 
enemy knows. He knows what separation brings. Separation brings his destruction and his demise. You say, preacher, you're preaching kind of mean tonight. No, I'm preaching honest. And adults in this house know just as well as these teenagers, the battle for separation is a minute-by-minute basis. Did you see such and such? Did you hear what they did? Did you hear what they said? No. Do you know what's going on over there? I have no idea. Why? Because I choose to be separated. If the Bible tells me not to gossip, I'm going to separate myself from it. The Bible tells me to live holy and to present my body a living sacrifice. I'm going to be holy and I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice unto Him. The struggle is constant. It's constant. But here's what I want you to know. This has went on for years and years. Slowly the world has crept into the church. Now the, the church is worldly. Young man walks into the house dealing with lust and pornography addictions has to deal with averting his eyes in the church house these days in a lot of places. It's the truth. And we even have now in our culture where young men can't even dress modestly. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to, to say you have to look this way or have to dress. That, that's, that's, it's common sense to cover yourself. I'm not saying you have to wear a long skirt. I'm not saying you have to wear this or that. Listen, you can be modest in a skirt. You can be modest in pants. But you can be immodest in a skirt and you can be immodest in pants. But young men and women even walk into the house of God dealing with pornography and addictions. And they have to worry in the house of God. Because we have in the church world of America today, a church that refuses to fight the battle of separation. Well, we have to be relevant. Listen, you can be stylish and modest. You can, you can live separated and minister to the sinner. It's not I'm better than anybody. That's not what it is. But Paul said, listen, you better not allow yourself to, to cause anyone else to stumble. Because it's not their fault alone. It'll be placed on you. But listen, 40 years, 40 years they wandered. But God always has a plan. As Mordecai said to Esther, he said, listen, Esther, if you won't go before the king, if you won't live separated, if you won't come out from among them, and go to the king and present yourself to him and say, listen, my people need freedom. He said, help will rise somewhere else. And we find in this same chapter, and I'm closing if they'll come to the music tonight, in this same chapter, God offers his plan. 
And he tells Moses this. He said, I'm, I'm not going to take up these people into the land of their, that I promised their fathers because they refused to be separated. They refused to be holy and consecrated unto God. And he said this in verse 31. He says, but I'm going to allow the next generation. I'm going to allow your children. And he even says that you've left as prey. You've left them as prey. That's what the, that's what the verse says. You've left them vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. He says, but they'll inherit and they'll see what their parents will never see. Listen, parents, I'm not, I'm not knocking parenting tonight. That's not what I'm saying. And, I, and I've said this before, preaching it out of a different text. What allowed them to go into the promised land, the next generation was when the generation before them died. And I'm not saying parents need to die. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we as parents, as leaders, need to die to our flesh. It's the best thing we can do for our children. He said, but they young people, but you, You'll inherit the promises of God. You're the plan. Some of you may ask, why, why, why now? Why, why have I been born into this time? My wife will tell you she's born into this time because they have air conditioning. But why this time, young people? Why you? Why now? Young adults, why you? Why now? Because you're the plan. You're the plan. You're God's plan. And there came a generation. There came a generation that said, listen, we're, we're willing to fight. There came a generation that said, I've had enough of the in and the outs. I've had enough of the back and the forth. I've had enough of the ups and the downs. I've had enough of this wilderness. I want the promises. I want the promises. There came a generation that says, listen, I'm willing to separate myself. I'm willing to consecrate myself. I'm willing to allow the Holy Ghost to sanctify my life, to sanctify my ears, to sanctify my eyes, to sanctify my mouth. I ain't going to talk like everybody else. I ain't going to listen to what everybody else listens to. I'm not going to watch what everybody else watch. I'm not going to wear what everybody else wears. Why? Because, listen, I have to be separated because there's a plan. There's a promise. There's a good and perfect will that God has for you. Young people, you are God's plan. You're the next revolution. I'm not 
talking about a political system. Donald Trump's not my savior. Joe Biden's not my savior. My savior. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 9, the government is on his shoulders. And that he's a wonderful counselor. That he's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father and he's a prince of peace. Moses knew him as the I am. Esther knew him as courage. The three Hebrew boys knew him as faith and strength. Daniel knew him as trust. There was a generation that rose up. That looked at Joshua. Said you lead us. Whatever you want. We'll do. Joshua 3 and 5 says this. They're about to cross the River Jordan. Joshua makes a proclamation to the children of Israel. If you'll stand with me across this house. He says, sanctify yourselves. It's a new generation. It's a new people now. The generation before couldn't sanctify themselves. sanctify yourselves. Why? For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You can't have the wonders. You can't have the latter half of the verse. I, I know we're good and I'm good at picking. Oh, I like that. Like that. Eh. Ah. No. Got to have the entirety. sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Three days they spent cleansing themselves. Prayer, fasting, washing themselves clean. And when they began to cross over the river Jordan, the waters parted. And Steve, they walked into the promises of God the Ark of the Covenant on their backs which represents the presence of God a generation that was willing to consecrate themselves, sanctify themselves not only inherited the promises that we talked about but they inherited the presence as well and we find in Joshua chapter 5 they're about to go in battle chapter 6 and this is a group hasn't fought about. Young people, don't let anyone tell you that you can't win. You've already won. Through Jesus, you've won. The battle for your heart and your mind, you won. Because before the battle was ever fought at Jericho, the battle plan was given. All they had to do was show up and be obedient. right before the battle they've already cleansed themselves in chapter 3 but in chapter 5 
and another declaration that comes forth. God says, now you have to circumcise yourself. You say, oh, that's nasty. No. Spiritually. He's saying, now I have to cut things out of your life that don't belong. Separation, separation. You gotta cut the addiction, the secret sin that nobody knows about. You gotta cut it, you gotta cut it out. I know it's hard. Every adult in this room could say it's hard. But let me tell you, the fight is worth it. And they walked out in chapter 6. And in seven days, what was impossible fell down flat in front of them. It became as nothing. What seemed so big when they transformed their thinking. And God, in the good and perfect will of God, that obstacle, young people, the thing in your heart and in your mind that you keep dealing with, it'll fall. You know what's crazy about the walls of Jericho is they've studied the Dungit digs in that area. And the walls are still there. You say, what do you mean? They said, after studying the rock and studying the the brick and the mortar, it's as if someone pushed them into the ground. What you've been trying to get over, young people, going to walk straight through. But it's a fight. It was still a battle. I'll leave you with this. Thomas Paine said this. We fight not to enslave set a country free. During the American Revolution, he says, we don't fight to, we don't want power, we don't want to enslave people. That's not what our goal is. Our goal is to set a country free. He would also go on to say, tyranny. Or let me me put, put into this the enemy but he said tyranny like hell is not easily conquered the enemy is not easily conquered he said but yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict the more glorious the triumph Young people, you're the plan. What God wants to do in the day and hour that we're living in, He wants to do in you. He's going to use your parents to sow into you. He's going to use your parents to help propel you into things. It's not, it's not that you're, you're, we're picking and choosing which generation. No, that's, it's a group effort. 
But parents, I, I think you want better for your children than you've had for yourself. And as your pastor, I want better for you than I've had for myself. And I encourage you tonight that you're the generation that will fight the battle of separation. You're the next revolution. You're the next revolution. Change starts in you. every teenager in this house to come forward that's able just stand here in front parents even if you don't have a child up here elders of the church you'll find a young man a young woman to stand behind if your child's up here I ask you to come wasn't planning on doing this but I feel this you're fighting young people you fight constantly 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 listen I'm, I'm not that old I know what it's like to get pulled out every day at school I know I do I can't imagine even what it's like me being seven, eight years removed from school, how worse it's gotten. But the enemy wants your soul. He wants the plan. And he wants your mind. He don't want you to come out from among them and be separate. Because when you do that, what you've said to him and what you've said to God is I'm willing to come into alignment with you. Listen, where his presence is is where his power is. Now, TJ, we've had some conversations this week. He said, I feel there's, there's more. I've had conversations with Jaden. There's more. Chris, that's, that's the conversation over and over. I've talked to Carly, I've talked to Madison. Over and over, these young people, there's more. I know there's more. There's something more. And it's stirring. And, and, and a couple of them have said it's stirring like it never has before. Because now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. You want to get the, the, the thoughts out of your mind? The fear and the anxiety? Fight. And know this, you're never fighting alone. But fight. When you've done all to stand, keep standing. Fight. When they pull at you at school or at work, fight. When they pull at you at home, I don't... I don't know every situation at home. Fight. I refuse. I refuse to watch, to listen to that. I refuse to be like everyone else. 
I want to be separated. I want to be what Peter talked about in his book when he said, they're a peculiar people, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. There's something different about you guys. You say, oh man, I don't want to be different because the world's tried to lie to you and tell you that different is unacceptable. But different is the kind of people that God wants to use. So we're going to pray with you. We're just going to pray. Parents and elders, I just want you to pray encouragement. Speak to the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy tell them that they'll always be alone. The lies of the enemy will tell them that they'll always deal with fear. That they'll always deal with depression and anxiety. But they're exactly what I just said. They're lies. So we're going to pray. And as this song they're going to sing says, I give myself away, that's what I want you to do tonight. Dreams and plans. God, I'm laying them in your hands. And I give myself away. Some of you are dealing with college. You want to know what to do? Fight the battle of separation. Have a transformed mind. And you'll know the perfect will of God. It's not easy. But it's worth it. We're here to start the battle tonight. We're going to fight with you. We're going to fight all week. We're going to fight all month. We're going to fight as long as it takes till Jesus comes back as it be. We're going to fight because this is the generation. You're the plan. You're the answer to the problem. Not because we're all this and a bag of chips. No, it's just because God has made us worthy through His Son, Jesus. So we're going to pray. Is that all right? We're just going to lay hands on you. Parents, elders, come. Begin to pray for them right now as they sing.